Galatians 5 and 13, Paul writing to the church, he says, For brethren, the saints, the, the children of God, the people of God, the church, you have been called unto liberty. Well, we love that. But he said, Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So today, our lesson is going to be on this, the value of a good name. The value of a good name. Let's pray for the teaching of the Word today. Lord, we love you and thank you for your Word. Thank you for the Spirit that you've given us. And God, we just ask you to open our hearts, open our ears to hear what you would say. Let this seed find good ground that it would grow and prosper, bring forth much fruit, make us better, make us ready. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. One more hand clap and shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thankful for the Lord. Thankful for the Lord. You can be seated. God bless you this morning. God bless you a lot. Man, it's, you know, I love those scriptures where there's just a lot to, to look at. And, you know, a lot of times when people have position or power or reputation or education or a lot of money, a lot of social standing, whatever. If they're famous, they're well-known, well-renowned, they feel like they can just do what they want to do. And people just have to deal with it because I'm the, you know, the top dog. I'm the cheese. I'm whatever I am. I'm you know, I'm just the, I'm it. I'm all that in the bag of chips. Ain't that what they say? Uh, but, you know, just people think that with that kind of, you know, authority, that, that they are beyond reproach, that sometimes they think they're above the law. They think that they should be able to skate on a lot of things simply because of who they are. And, and maybe they do because that's the world we live in is that, they just give passes to people if they're the president or something like that, a governor or something. Maybe they get to, you know, you find out things, but somehow they stay in office. Don't know. It's we've several presidents back now. It seems like each one we've had has had some issue where they were in question, but somehow they remained in power. That's just the way it is in the world today. Uh, and but it doesn't change the fact that when you hear their name you think, hmm, <laughs> doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, or what, once you hear their name, you associate, <clears throat> you know, if you hear Richard Nixon, you know, a lot of us that's old enough to remember, we'd be like, oh, Watergate, yeah, you know, you know, you know, there's a lot of presidents, you could just mention their name, and think, mm-hmm, I, I remember what I, the news said about them, or, uh, but, you know, it, it, it happens, it comes to the church a lot of times, uh, falls in religious circles. Uh, years ago, a lot of you younger ones wouldn't remember, but a great, well-known uh, uh, pastor and televangelist, uh, Jimmy Swaggart. Oh, what a following he had. And these things came out about him in the news, and from that point on, whenever you heard about Jimmy Swaggart, you're like, hmm. Well, and that name was associated with the negative act that he got caught in. And the bad thing about that is that 
it wasn't just his name, but his, then his title, it dirtied that title. And anybody who had the same position as him was always looked at through a different lens. Oh, you, you a preacher. You like Jimmy Swagger. No, I ain't like Jimmy Swagger. You know, and you had to defend yourself simply because, and whether they've been caught in money schemes or you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, that negative connotation comes with that. And then once you let somebody know, hey, oh, yeah, I pastor. Sure. Oh, you're a pastor. You know, and then automatically you'll get those things. And, and uh, so we have to remember that we have the greatest calling on our life that any, anybody can have. There is no greater uh, privilege than to be called a child of God, to be part of the church, to be baptized into his body by his spirit. Uh, there is no greater uh, calling anywhere. There is nothing you could ever do that would be greater than serving the Lord. That's a fact. Because there ain't nothing else that can get you to where you need to be for eternity than being his. And so I want to be his. And so Paul wrote to the church. He said, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Now, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 tells us that the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. He was writing to them. So basically he said, look, you've been baptized in the spirit. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've been called unto liberty. He said, but you don't get to use that liberty to do whatever you want to do. That, that right there just kicked once saved, always saved out the door. <laughs> it, it ain't no such thing. Oh, it, it's, a, it's a real fake doctrine, but, it's, but there's no truth into it. And uh, he said, you don't get to just, just because you have now been filled with the Spirit of God, you've been called into a liberty. Now, that liberty that he's talking about, it, it's freedom from your past. You're free from the things that were going to drag you into a devil's hell. You're free from mistakes and sins and things. He, he washed you. He filled you. We've been made new, been given new life by the Spirit of God. And, and now that we've got that Spirit and we feel that, you know, you feel that liberty, but you got to know how to walk in that liberty. He said you can't use that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but you're going to be, this liberty actually causes you to be a servant. You're going to serve one another. You're going to serve him. You're going to serve uh, other people. You're going to be a servant of the kingdom. You know, uh, liberty can be a dangerous thing for people. We live in a college town. We get a lot of 18-year-olds that move across the country to go to school, and they're away from mom and dad and home for the very first time, and they have all this liberty now because, you know, they, they, they don't have to check in when they get home. They can go out with their friends and hang out and do things, and they just come and go as they please. And, and I can tell you, I remember when... Uh, I first moved up here going to school back in 87, and I was here, you know, even at home. I mean, I, I pretty much came, my mom would tell you, I pretty much came and went because I just did, but it was different. I was up here, and I didn't have to answer nobody. Man, I stay out to 3 in the morning, come in at 4, get up and go to, 
class at seven, sleep through class. You know, uh, it was it was rough. It was terrible. That literally you think, oh, I can handle it. No, you can't. There's a lot of people can't handle that. And it gets them. You got to be disciplined. And the thing is, is that I don't want to have this great gift that God gives to men. I don't want this treasure that in this earthen vessel and then desecrate it by abusing the liberty that God has given me. Because there is value in a good name. In 1 Samuel, when, Saul, uh, when Samuel comes to anoint David as king, after he anoints him, it says, from that point on, from that time forward, the Spirit of God was with David. From that point on, once he anointed him to be king, the Spirit of God was with David. David uh, had that liberty. He had that spirit with him because where the spirit is, there's liberty. David was now anointed to be king. But listen to some things that Samuel wrote about David as David was beginning. He wasn't even king yet, but as he was headed toward that direction. In 1 Samuel 18 and 5, it says, David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. He was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. In uh, verse 14, it says, And David, again, behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And then in 18 and 30, it says, Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. David was anointed to be king. It wasn't going to change. But he did not use that anointing and that liberty to just do or act any way he wanted to act. He wanted to be a man after God's own heart. He wanted to behave himself wisely. And it wasn't just so uh, for his own self, but others saw him and recognized that this young man, this this young man of God, look how he behaves. He, all the people loved him. They sang songs about him. They, they admired him. They trusted him. They said, man, look at the way he carries himself, the way he behaves himself. And uh, he, you know, he's, he's got Saul, he's Saul's son-in-law. And even you know, being the king's son-in-law, you think, well, I'm the king's son-in-law. You ain't going to mess with me. But David still behaved himself wisely. And that is why people followed David and why people would join themselves to David because even when uh, David was having javelins cast at him and he was being chased and even when he had opportunity to slay Saul, he still would not do it. He still made wise decisions. Did David ever make mistakes in his life? We know that he did. We know that he did. But he still he had a good name because uh, when he did those things, when he made mistakes, he didn't try to justify them. He didn't try to say, well, I'm the king, I can do what I want. But he would fall down and repent. He would seek the face of God. He would turn back to the things that God, he would say, Lord, don't cast me from your presence. Don't take your spirit from me. I, 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 I cherish this liberty, this way of life, and I don't want to lose it just because of my mistakes. 
He realized that he was just a man and he realized that my mistakes, the things I do, don't just affect me, but they affect others. And that's the thing we have to remember today is that the, the value of a good name, because it doesn't matter. And let me tell you, there's nothing. that you, you simply prove what the world believes about all Christians anyway when you go out of these doors and just behave any way you want to act. They're looking, watching. Once they hear and find out, oh, you, you go to church, they're going to be watching you close. Tell somebody at your job about your church and then watch how closely they watch you, waiting for you to slip up and say something, waiting for you to, you know, to tell a dirty joke or, or laugh at something you shouldn't be laughing at or get mad and cuss somebody out. Just, just wait how they watch and see. They'll be, checking your, they'll be watching your social media real close to see what you post. Oh, I thought they was a Christian. Look what they posted. You know, a good name is a benefit to us in this life because it is our job to win this world, to preach the gospel. Listen, it ain't about us, the calling of God that has been placed on our lives. This new birth is bigger than just you and me. It's about, it was always about, but it is still about today. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the gospel and, and let me tell you, you ain't going to win, and I am not going to win anybody. Nobody's going to believe anything I say if I live contrary to what I preach. If I live differently than what I say I believe. If they hear me on Sunday saying this, but then they see me on Monday living like something else, I'm not winning anybody. I, I'm not going to do it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and, and people stay away from instability. They want stability. They want somebody who will be firm in what they believe. And believe it or not, this world is looking for something to hold on to. They're tired of, they're tired of the shifting sand of this world. They want a solid rock. They want something to stand on. And, and friend, it's you and I that help lead people to those things. But we've got to provide, the scripture says, provide things honest in the sight of God and of men. We need to provide things honest in their sight. Live what we say we are. It doesn't make us, um, you know, infallible. It doesn't make us uh, better, in, you know, than anybody else in the world. We're not here to, to lift ourselves up. But even Paul said, you can follow me as I follow Christ. And that's, you know, I need to be able to lead people in the way. Not just tell them what to do and then do something else, but lead them in the way. Paul wrote in one place, he said, look, he said, you are examples and you are epistles that are known and read. An epistle is a letter that they would write to the churches. He said, but you are living epistles that men read. I've seen it lately several times. People, you know, a lot of people won't go to church. They won't read the Bible, but they see you. And you might be, you know, the first contact. You might be the first uh, example of Jesus that they ever come in contact with. If he's in us, well, that's, that ought to be a given. Because you, you don't put him on like a cloak and take him off. You know, you know, if somebody meets you, they should know something's different about this person. 
And it's not because we're you know, just a big lit up billboard, look at me, I'm holier than everybody else or anything like that. But when you live your life for the Lord, people are going to know you're different because somehow it's going to come up because you're going to get invited somewhere and you're going to have to say, I can't, uh, no, I don't do that. Or they're going to offer you something. You're going to be like, mm-mm, that's not me. And why? And then you're going to have to be able to be bold enough to let that light shine and say, I just don't do those things because it's not pleasing to the Lord. It's not putting them down. It's not saying, because you could look at them and say, listen, I know what I used to be, but then I met Jesus and this is how I live my life now. I've made this decision to just live my life this way. And so, you know, a lot of people, they talk about, give us our liberty. Let us live the way we want to live, except for us. Let me have my parades. Let me do this. Let me uh, force this on your kids and let me do all these things and, and just don't you but not say nothing about it. But don't you dare stand up and talk about the Lord. Don't you let that light shine. Don't be talking about Jesus in the school. You know, don't, don't, don't talk about him in politics. Don't talk about him in public. Just you know, keep that stuff quiet. But, but we do have a liberty. And this calling on our life is bigger than us. God didn't save you just for you. You need to know that. He didn't save you just for you. People that lives he would touch, he'd say, now go, go show them. Go tell them. Go tell people. That man with the legion of devils, uh, let me go with you, Lord. Nope, you stay here and go tell everybody what God's done for you. That woman at the well, she dropped that pitcher of water and she took off. And she said, come meet a man that told me all I ever did. He said, when I work in your life, it's so you can share it, so you can tell somebody about it. But oh, it is awful to tell somebody all the great things that God done but then live like he didn't do nothing. I don't want to tell people about the, my great deliverance and live like I'm a captive. That's not what I'm supposed to do. Proverbs 22 and 1 says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Ooh, have you ever been riding down the road and saw that billboard, Powerball, 7,800 million zillion dollars you know it's like a number you you can't even fathom it it's like oh if I had that money you 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 know the good side of you says I'll be giving money to everybody the reality is if you probably got that you'd turn into a stingy person that nobody liked anymore <laughs> that's just being truthful man it's just human nature we, we like to think and maybe we would but we like to think that we would anyway but, you know, you see that kind of money, you think, man, I, I'd pay off this, pay off that. I'd make sure to build a new church, fund a missionary. All, nobody I know would work again, and I'd still have money in the bank. Man, everybody's life would be good. But you know what? All the money in the world, it ain't worth your reputation. There are a lot of rich people in the world whose name is Mud. They got more money than, than we can think about, but when you hear their name, you think, mm-hmm. There's athletes that's got money crazy, but when, you, you, but when you hear their name, you think about them going to court because of spousal abuse, or you think about uh, something they got caught up in they shouldn't have got caught up in. Or they got the money. 
but they got the dirty reputation to go with it. A good name is, what, what good would it do to have all that money and nobody can stand you? You just buy, you, you're, you're a lonely old rich person. Well, I can buy friends. Yeah, the prodigal son thought he could buy them too till the money run out. Yeah, and look what that left him. Left him in the hog pen. Listen, more than money, your name. People, when they hear your name, what do they think about when they hear your name? In Ecclesiastes 7 and 1, it says a good name is better than precious ointment. Now that ointment there, uh, no doubt most will refer to the ointment of the apothecary that they would make the anointing oil for the temple and the tabernacles. And, but you know, for us today, ointment can be things that we use in a healing aspect. It's, uh, it can have many medicinal properties and different things like that. So he said, but better than any of that, better than any anointing that you might have, better than any position that you might feel, your name, a good name, a good name that I have been uh, washed in his blood, filled with his spirit, and now I walk in his ways. When people see you, they say, that's a real Christian. And let me tell you something about real Christians. Real Christians, their whole, if you, you look in the rearview mirror of their life, it's littered with mistakes and slip-ups and mess-ups. But right after that, you find altars of repentance. Don't ever think that a Christian, his, his way is just smooth and clear. He don't ever make another mistake or never get out of order or anything. Oh, no, he will. But the, the difference in uh, us is that uh, we realize that I don't want to lose this life over a silly mistake. I don't want a, a, a moment of weakness to take away this great life that I love so good. And, and, so, and so when people will see, man, they really messed up, but they got up and kept going. They got back up and they kept serving. Uh, they, yeah, I, yeah, they Christians. They, they said, but you know, I heard about this is what happened to them. But you know what? They went right back to the church. So many people today, when they make a mistake, they run from the church. But oh, when you want to live for Him, yeah, listen. You know why David had a good name? David had a good name. But he had Bathsheba's husband killed to cover up the affair that brought a child. The child died because of the sin that David committed. David numbered the children of Israel and people died because of it. David made mistakes, but David would find a place to repent and to sacrifice to God. And, and God would, would keep going, uh, would, would forgive him and, and stop the destruction and do things. And that's what we do in our life is that when we make those mistakes, we don't give up. We don't act like, well, I never did have nothing, no way. We you know, try to justify. No, it was just my flesh. Sometimes we use this liberty, as Paul warned us about, as an occasion to the flesh. We just think, I can get away with it. And then once we do it, we're like, ow. Because God says, let me thump that heart. That spirit that's in you says, mm -mm, that's not what we use our liberty for. And guess what? Somebody who is watching you close just decided church wasn't for them. That's the bad part. Now, we think, well, they shouldn't be watching me so close. Who are they going to watch if not the church? Now, I, listen, they need to, 
remember that saints are human. Uh, and that's the thing. They shouldn't put us in a place that uh, we don't belong on a pedestal where we're infallible. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is that people do watch your life. And you, what you do will impact what they think about the church, about the truth you say you live. And so I want to make sure. I remember years, years ago, middle school, that was years ago. But um, we had just moved to Monroe. We were going to a church there. It wasn't an apostolic church, but it was a church, you know, a spirit-filled church. And, um, man, I, I got excited about the Lord. Man, I went and got me a shirt printed up, said I'm a king's kid. Went strolling into junior high. I mean, it was a purple shirt with a big old crown on the front. Said I'm a king's kid. And everybody was like, what is that? I said, man, I'm, I, man, I'm in eighth grade telling all my friends, you better go to church or going to hell. You better go to church. You go, you know, I'm, man, I'm just, I'm wearing folks out, man. I didn't know no better. I was telling them all because, man, we was, you know, we was kids, messed up, rowdy kids, and used to talk about all kind of crazy stuff. And I was like, y'all better start talking. I said, you're going to burn. You're going to get I was wearing them out. But, man, I was trying to get them to come to church and do different things. That lasted about two weeks. And uh, we was all sitting around one day talking about, it was, if I was talking about something, I, I just chimed in just like I used to be. And nobody said anything right then. But a couple of days later, one of my friends, he said, man, he said, what'd you quit talking about church and stuff for? And he said, you almost had me convinced. I have thought about that in my life many times. And I thought, man, and of course back then, you know, I was like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, whatever, and we went on. But after I came to the Lord, I thought about that many times. And I thought, I never want to hear that again. I never want to hear that ever again. I never want someone to say, man, I was so excited about what God was doing in your life, and I was watching you, and then, man, you just, I never want to be the reason that someone says, even though I get it, I can't save anybody. I'm not their Savior. I realize that. But I do have a calling and a position in the kingdom, and I have got to maintain that to the best of my ability. With the help of God, I've got to do all things through Christ. I've got to live the way I should live. Listen, it doesn't matter about my money, my social status, what position I have. If people can't trust you or believe in you or if they can't stand you, it does no good. We're not here. Jesus has said he didn't come and make a reputation for himself. And we don't try to make a reputation, but you better believe you got one. <laughs> you, you got a reputation. And it's going to be you're either, you know, solid and straight on or you're tossed about with every wind of doctrine or you're, you're wishy-washy, you're, you know, you're, you're stand-up or you're, you're not. It, you're going to have a reputation whether you try for it or not. Reputation is simply what people think about you because of what you do. And so I'm not here trying to get a reputation, but what we do will establish what people think. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. 
It's valuable. We must remember who we represent, who we are to him, and what that makes us for the world. We must remember what he did for us. Do we remember? Do we think about? Do we ever think about how it was when he was beat almost to death that he had to walk up that hill? They nailed him to that cross. They pierced his side. They crowned of thorns. They mocked him, and just and he just said, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." Do we think about the blood that bought us? Do we think about the price he paid to get us? to who we are. We belong to him. He is our father. He is our savior. He is our very best friend. And we need to remember what our life here is supposed to be. Well, the scripture tells us, come out and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Keep your garments unspotted from the world. Don't, don't get mixed up with things that are going to make you look or that's going to camouflage you from the kingdom. We come out and we're separate. Separation is not isolation. It doesn't mean that you don't have friends or that you can't sit down with people who really don't know the Lord and talk to them. But you can't be participating in the things of this world. Listen, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We need to remember that statement when we think about what he said about us. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16 Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, he's in us. Is anybody seeing him when we walk in the room? Is anybody seeing us on campus, on our job, in our home, on vacation? Are they seeing him? He said, you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. When we decide to follow him, you better recognize and understand that people see you. They might not like what you do. They might not even care about it. They may not care one way or the other what you do. But you can believe they see you because you are no longer hid, because you stand out. If you're not standing out, that means you're hid. That means you're blending in. Come on, somebody. When is it going to be all right for us to just stand up and say, we're light and not dark? We are light and not dark. We are not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. I was not born again by the world. I was born again by the word. He's the word made flesh. I was born again through his name, baptized in his name, received the Holy Ghost in his name. I'm carrying his name. He said, men do not light a candle and then put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick and it gives light to all that are in the house. Everybody should see. You say, well, I don't want to be one of them. That, that sounds like them pushy. You ain't got to be pushy. I ain't talking about you got to come up and, and hold somebody down or lock them in a room and say, you're going to sit here and listen to what I got to say. I know. 
I'm not talking about that. Because you, you, you're not going to force this, force feed this into anybody. It wouldn't force fed into us. We, we, You've got to receive this. You've got to accept this. You've got to believe this and then willingly obey it. But you're not supposed to take that light and hide it. Oh, I bet nobody in here believes in him. Let me just cover that up. Man, why? Because within a few minutes, you'll hear people talking about, and they'll be letting whatever light they got shine. Mm -hmm. They'll be talking about what they did this weekend, letting that light shine. They'll be talking about this, that, and the other, letting that light shine. Why do we have to hide our light? Oh, that tarnishes that name. He said, let your light so shine before men. Let it shine. Man, it, you know, we'd start singing that little kid song again. This little light of mine, well, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> you know, we, we teach them, oh, come on. But then when we get older, we tell them, put it under a basket, son. So nobody teases you at school. You know, uh-uh. Let that light shine. And it, that doesn't mean that they come in with a Bible slapping people in the head and but they're just good. He said, do that so they can see your good works, that you love people, that you help people, that you can be friendly to people, that you can be kind and compassionate and, and be different than this word. And you're not doing it for, for, for gain, but you're just doing it because of who you serve so they can glorify your Father which is in heaven. Because I can promise you, before he got involved, I didn't care what other people thought. We talk about that like that, people like that. I don't care what people think about me. Well, you should, and you actually do. But you know, well, they can say what they want to. I don't care. Yeah, you do, and you should. We should care what people say about us as children of God. That doesn't mean now you can't control what people say, and you can't control what they think, but we should not be the ammunition we shouldn't be their source of, of negative thinking or thoughts toward the church. Love people. You don't have to accept sinful behavior. You don't have to accept things that are wrong. Oh, wait, Pastor, Jesus sat at the table with sinners. He sure did. He sat at the table with me when I was a sinner. <laughs> I, I got no argument with that. But he wasn't a sinner. To be a sinner, you got to partake in it. He didn't partake in the things they were doing. He, would, he didn't change around them. He stayed unchanged because that's what they needed. And if we're going to be like him, if we have that light and he's the light of the world, then our light... It ain't a, it, hey, this ain't a mood light. It ain't like blue and red. And red. 70s are gone. 60s, this ain't about your mood. This light shines one light, one true light, the only light. It don't change, it don't dim. It ain't got a dimmer switch on it. 
It's, it, you know, it, it's one light that shines. It's, it's the light of life. And we've got to let that light shine. But if, but if I let that light shine, it's just going to upset people. It might just upset them enough that they start looking at themselves. Look, we got to quit trying to be the church. You can love everybody, but you better believe that everybody ain't going to accept what you're offering and what you're talking about. And, and we got to quit trying to think, oh, well, we got to be, we got to water ourselves down so much that everybody will just come on in and nobody will ever be offended. Please read about Jesus. And people were offended sometimes with what he would say. He wasn't coming to be offensive. They were simply offended at what he was saying. At one point in John 6 where it said all those disciples, he was, he was just teaching, preaching, talking to them, telling, giving them the word, telling them straight up this is how it is. And they said, mm, well, that's a hard saying. Bye. And they walked off and left him. It says, and from that time, many of his disciples walked no more with him. Why? Because he, he, he was ugly to them? No, he wasn't ugly. He just told the truth. They got offended at his word. And they went on, but he said, you know what? I realize the crowd I'm in, but, you know, his disciples one time, they said, hey, don't you know them Jews got upset when you said that? The Pharisees got mad when you said that. He knew who he was talking to. He said, but I got to tell them. I got to say, I can't just, and we have got to be that light. We've got to maintain this good name that God has put on us. We've got to do that. A good name is rather to be chosen. So let your light so shine. So what kind of light are we shining? Are we bringing God glory with the life that we live? Ecclesiastes 10 and 1 he said, it says that dead flies cause the ointment. Remember, a good name is rather be chosen than the ointment. But he said, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. He's talking about the anointing oil for the, for the temple, for the, for the tabernacle. And they would make that oil. You're, if you read about it, it, they made that oil. And you couldn't, nobody else could make that oil. If you did, you was in trouble. This was only for... That. He said, so it's special, it's consecrated, it's got a purpose, but as special and wonderful and awesome as it is, if flies get in it and die, it ruins it. We can't just let anything into this anointing. We can't use this liberty as an occasion to the flesh. We must consecrate ourselves, protect ourselves so we can be what God calls us to be and be used in the fashion that God called us to be used in so we can let a pure light shine that reflects him and brings him glory we can't let the flies in what are the flies your flesh bad habits you know in in the new testament many times it refers to uh our enemy uh, as beelzebub well, one translation of that is that he's the Lord of the flyers or Lord of the flies. 
Well, I sure don't want to be associated with anything he's associated with. I don't want to, the Bible says, don't give place to the devil. He ain't got no place in your anointing. You can't mix your anointing with the things of this world or things from the enemy because it'll cause it to stink. Now, the second part of Ecclesiastes 10 and 1 says this. So, in the same fashion, just a little folly, a little foolishness, a little acting out, that's what it does to someone who is in reputation for wisdom and honor. In other words, for God's people, for God's church, for the saints of God, those that are called to be holy because he's holy, to carry this gospel, to let that shine. He said, you've got to be careful that you don't let something small, a fly is small. He said, don't let something small corrupt your anointing. Don't let this uh, hurt you because you've got a reputation for wisdom and honor and, and God doing things in your life. Don't let these little things tarnish your name. We've got to protect that name. A good name is rather to be chosen. We can't serve two masters. You can't walk two roads. Scripture says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? It, they just don't mix. 1 Corinthians 10 and 21, he said, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord table and the table of devils. So you better be careful who you're drinking after. And whose table you're pulling up a chair to. You know, there's, there's about 120,000 different species of flies. Man, there's flies for every situation. Keep them out of your anointing. Oh, it's just a little something. It's no big deal. That couldn't make a difference. You got a glass of your favorite juice or drink or coffee? You pick it up and there's a dead fly in it. Oh, it's, a little, it's just a little fly. I need a new cup. You sitting there about to uh, dig into that, that, that big old plate of whatever it is you like to eat. And, oh, it's just a little hair. <laughs> oh, I'll be sending this back. It's just a little, let's move it. It didn't touch that side of the plate. Just eat off. Nuh-uh. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, it's just a little. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Listen, it don't take just a little bit of something that we don't like to make us say, uh-uh, I ain't taking that. I ain't touching that. So, you know, we, oftentimes we have made the mistake of setting our cups of coffee down at the house and I look over, and my cat's going, and then licking his paw, and I'm like, he's been in the litter box. New cup of coffee. Oh, just a little, just a little dab. Hmm, a little dab of what? No, nope, nope, nope. I, I don't need none of that. Hey, it was just one little bite of that fruit that God said, don't take it take of and guess what happened mm -hmm. you know Lot's wife it was only a look she didn't even turn she didn't go try to go back she just looked back so we need to remember 
And, and you know what people think about when they think about Lot's wife? She don't even have a name. She don't even have a name. I think of Lot's wife, I think of salt. But she turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 13 that we are salt with the salt of the earth. But if we lose our savor, how can the earth be salted? How are we going to make a difference if we lose our savor? It's, it's not good for anything anymore, but you just cast it out and people walk on it. It is trotted under the foot of men. So what we do or don't do not only affects us, but it affects others. And what if someone walks away or gives up because of what we do? They shouldn't, but what if they do? We've got to be careful. 1 Timothy 4.16, I'm, I'm rushing. He said, take heed to yourself. Watch yourself, in other words. Take heed to yourself and the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. What you do and how you act and what you stick to affects other people. In Lamentations 4 and 1, uh, honey, you can come on to the music. He said, talking about Israel, Israel's people, God's chosen, God's apple of his eye. He said, how is the gold become dim? How is the most fine gold changed? When they first came out of Egypt, crossed that Red Sea, people heard. They had a reputation. I mean, look what Rahab said when the spies came into Jericho. Ooh, we have heard. And now nobody's got any strength to stand before you guys because your God is the holy God and, and he's God in heaven and above and earth beneath and nobody can stand. They had a reputation because they were sticking with and following their God, but they had gotten to a point where they had mixed up with the world. They were serving other gods, making idols, doing things they shouldn't do. And, and so Jeremiah wrote, How has the gold become dim? It was precious. It was pure. It was beautiful. But he said, How has the most fine gold changed? And that would be awful if there was no remedy. But there is. You can fix when you make a mistake. You often can't fix maybe the consequences, but you can fix the mistakes. You can find a place. Psalm 119 and 9 says, How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to God's word. If he'll just get back to the word, get back to what caused him to be born again and gave him new life, he can get back on the right path. You can stand with me. In 1 Timothy 6 and 12, Paul advised Timothy, charged him, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. A lot of people see your life. A lot of people. You, you don't realize probably even on a day-to-day Thing, especially in class or on, on your job a lot of people see who you are they see who you are really because they don't see you in here all suited up and hands in the air and ready to go they, they see you with dirt on your boots sweat pouring down your face migraine from studying they, they see all the they, they, they see you with all the conditions of this world just 
and they see how you carry yourself. They see who you are. And when they know, when you've told them, oh, you ought to come to church with me. Well, once you make that invitation, you better remember, they're going to watch you for a little while to see if they want to be around people like you. (laughs) So love people. Be good to people. Let your light shine. Let it show them good works so people will glorify God. And well, they won't have nothing to do but say, man, that's just a good, godly person. They just real. You know, that's what people say. Hey, they're just real people. But real people of God. So you protect that name. Because once you become his, that name gets a big shine put to it. I don't want it to get dim. I don't want it to change. I I want to let a good light shine. Amen.